You're listening to the EFC Podcast. Hey, I'm Joel Gordon. I'm the creative director at the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. The podcast you're about to listen to is my interview with Patricia Patty and Karen Stiller about a book they've written called Craft, Cost, and Call. I'm not a writer myself, but I do work with young writers through EFC's magazine for young adults called Love is Moving. So this is a subject matter that I'm super interested in. Now, we usually hear Karen's voice at the beginning of our podcasts, but today she's one of the people being interviewed. Karen, what was that experience like for you? Actually, it was really fun. I uh, I definitely have more empathy now for the people I interview. I will be even kinder to them in the future, I think. But you did a great job, Joel. I really enjoyed it. And I hope people find it helpful wherever they are on their writing journey. Welcome, Karen and Patricia. We're going to be reviewing a book that you've written, which I have right in front of me called Craft, Cost and Call how to build a life as a Christian writer. And in thinking about a lot of artists and young writers that I work with, I think it will be an incredible resource for them as well. To start off, I thought it would be great if we could get an understanding for how this book came into being. Uh, Karen, can you share with us how uh, this book came to fruition? Absolutely. Um, There are a couple of things happening. Uh, Patricia and I are both professional writers. Uh, who have made some kind of a living and a vocation as writers and editors. And there's something uh, that can seem really unusual about that sometimes, because we all know writing is uh, is hard work, and it's hard to be, get published, and it's hard to break in and all of that. And we realize that we actually have built a vocation, both of us, around that activity and that good work. And often we've done it together. So we've uh, done a lot of projects, work projects together. Um, we've created we created a business together at one point, distributing press releases. Um, we're entrepreneurial in our approach. And we just reached a stage in our career where we found ourselves both, I think, mentoring younger writers, or, or not even younger writers, but writers just a little bit, um, I don't want to say behind us, but on a different different stage of the writing journey. And we thought, you know what, I think we have something to say uh, about writing. We have some information to share, some experience that others could probably learn from. And uh, both of us have been uh, really benefited greatly from other writers and editors who have been generous with us along the journey and shared what they knew. And we wanted to do the same thing. Now, looking towards the book, as I mentioned before, I think this is a great resource for a variety of different types of writers. And uh, myself being a filmmaker, I work with writers often. You know, writing seems to be quite a solitary exercise and craft. And here you have both collaborated together. We get a sense just from listening to you both that you have already a great friendship and working relationship. Would you recommend as a first or a second project that two writers collaborate together? Or or if someone's starting out, is this an exercise that's better for later on in someone's writing career? Hmm. That's a really good question, Joel. Before I tackle it, let me just first say thank you for your kind words and um, your you know, feedback on the book. It It uh, is still early days for us that this book has been available on the market. And we are really feeling encouraged, eh, Karen, about the, yeah. the feedback that we're getting. And it's just lovely to hear that um, that 
that you think that even writers in other genres um, will find it useful and helpful. Um, that, that's just very encouraging. So thank you for that. Um, it's a good question. I, I think I would be tempted to say that um, it's important to be to kind of develop your own voice first. I think if you don't, if you're not confident in your own voice as a writer, um, you could easily get uh, swayed um, and kind of lose your voice in the collaborative process, particularly the way Karen and I worked. So, I mean, we trust each other deeply, having worked together for um, over a decade. And, um, and I think that we've done enough writing that we are also strong in, uh, in our own voices. So the way that we have worked is that we write um, different segments in this case of this particular book, we each broke, you know, came up with our our outline, what we thought the book should include, kind of assigned one another sections of the book. There were different things that Karen was better equipped to write on than I was, and vice versa. So we would we would write our sections and then we had a Dropbox folder and we would share them and we would edit each other's work. And we hmm. edit each other's work deeply. So uh, I would say that it, it's better to um, enter this kind of collaborative partnership a little later on. That said, there, there can be value, I think, in learning from other writers through things like writers groups, for example. And mm-hmm. uh, Karen is a big proponent of writers groups. She's had a lot of experience with them, and, and maybe she could tackle that for us. Great. Well, before before we get to that, um, I want to get back to uh, something that that we didn't get to hear your perspective on, Patricia, which mm-hmm. is how you first came to this project. I believe Karen initially had an idea and then approached you. What happened after that? Yeah, exactly. So she extended an invitation, uh, invited me into the idea of doing a book together on writing and I needed to mull it over for a little bit because there it it's just a a factor I've alluded to it earlier that Karen and I share a lot of insecurities and one of the insecurities I think is have I really got anything that anybody would be interested in in hearing about and learning about and Karen kind of talked me into it, to be honest. But once we started and once we started, you know, doing the actual writing, it was almost like a, a match had been lit and the flame just started to burn and the words kind of poured out of us, I think. Mm. And we realized how much we we didn't realize that we knew <laughs> that was worth sharing. Right. Great. How do you think, Karen, a writer's voice relates to their identity in Christ and, and how they uh, express themselves as a writer? Yeah, great, great question. Let me, I want to touch on the collaboration piece just for a second um, before I forget that question and have to get you to repeat it. Um, but the the piece about collaboration that is important to to note, I think, is that if you're going to be a writer who is published, um, at some point you have to become a collaborator, and that Absolutely. might be, yeah, and that may be with your, your editor. That's your first collaboration, and uh, so although I completely agree with Patricia that to 
not everybody would ever be able to do it uh, like we do it, quite frankly, because we have um, we have skin that is very thick, mm-hmm. <laughs> like out, we're elephants. And that doesn't mean we don't hurt each other's feelings. Sometimes we do. And we have to say, oh, I'm sorry if I sound it too harsh or, you know, whatever. But to be a writer writing and publishing in the world, you must uh, be, you must have a thick skin and you have to be able to work with an editor. Uh, Every writer needs an editor. That's a very early first and important lesson. So at some point writing always is collaboration um, if you're going to be published. So, okay. So voice and our relationship with Christ. So as we deepen in our walk of faith, I, I believe we become more deeply ourselves. We are freed to be who we really are, uniquely and wonderfully made and, you know, set loose in the world. And we'll make all kinds of mistakes. And we're always, um, you know, sinners on the path of redemption and sanctification. I believe that with my whole heart. But we are truly, uh, you know, Patricia is deeply Patricia, and I am deeply Karen because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that enables us to be, to speak from the deepest, truest parts of ourselves. So as we shed the desire to impress, the need to sound smart, the um, the desire to, you know, force people to think what we think and change their minds, we can relax and we can speak with confidence and, you know, out of who we know we are. And so that's a great question, Joel, and I'm really glad you asked it because it's hugely important. When I hear young writers, this is a, and again, by young writer, I I mean, it could be, you know, a 50-year-old writer who's just starting to write. Um, often at the beginning, we worry about voice. We're like, well, who? because people talk about it, voice, you know, and I think just relax, <laughs> like mm-hmm. stop thinking about voice, just write, just write and write and write and then read and read and read and then write and write and write. And you don't even have to think about voice consciously after, after a while, if you're writing, you know, with your own byline and so on. Mm-hmm. The three areas that you explore in this book are craft, cost and call. And I think that was a great way of, you know, exploring what it takes to build a life as a Christian writer. But I'm wondering, why did you focus on Christian writers? Reading through this book, it seems as though, you know, it would just be a great resource for any writer. Maybe I could get both of you to answer that question, starting with Patricia. Yeah, well, basically, the decision to focus on Christian writers arose out of the fact that that is who we are. And Karen and I both believe that the world needs more Christian voices in the public space. So we decided, and most of our experience, frankly, is in writing for the Christian market, whether it's for Christian not-for-profits or Christian broadcast outlets, uh, Christian, you know, articles, magazines, that is where we have done most of our writing. So it just kind of made sense to us that that would be our target market. Because it's a it we believe that we need more Christian writers, more, more Christians who will write and speak into the public's space, not always necessarily sharing, you know, quote, unquote, Christian messages. 
But as Christians who write, they can even be writing about secular matters or creating ads, but they will do it in a way that glorifies God and their work will be Christian work because it's created by a Christian, if that makes sense. So anything to add, Karen? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, I yeah, we, we recognize that as our lane in the writing highway and that um, those are the people who speak to us most often are writers of faith who, yeah, want to get better. And so, mm-hmm. and I would add uh, to what Patricia said that, um, you know, as writers who are Christian, we also want to just encourage excellence. And uh, mm-hmm. so I think that, I oh, this is going to sound really bold, but I think it would be hard to read and digest uh, the material in this book and not become a better writer because it's so practical. Mm-hmm. Like it really, in some, in lots of ways, it's a how-to book. Uh, so I think we just want it to, you know, come, urge our fellow writers uh, to get even better, even as we do. Like we're always learning. I walk my dog a couple times a day and I always uh, line up a writing podcast to listen to as I walk. I love books about writing. I read them all the time. And so we're, I go to seminars and conferences on how to write better. I did my MFA as Patricia mentioned a couple of years ago in creative nonfiction. That's my, you know, preferred genre. So, and I know Patricia's the same where we swap articles on writing, like we're, we're all always learning. And so we wanted to contribute specifically, you know, to, to that body of work in terms of Christian writing. Also, one of the things that was uh, an early motivator for me in this project, besides Karen, was I recognized, um, as Karen mentioned, I'm a, I'm, I've been doing my Master of Theological Studies at McMaster Divinity College. I've been doing it part-time, but the number of times that I have had ministers, pastors, uh, people who are, are in the seminary uh, process approach me and say, uh, I recognize your name. I think I've, you know, seen your byline. I would like to do some writing. Can you, can you tell me how do I get started? Where do I begin? What do I do? How do I become a writer? Or I've been thinking about setting up a blog. What do you think? Is it a good idea? And just knowing that there are probably a lot of people out there who might be afraid and think that, that writing is some kind of big mysterious thing that they have to conquer or who might shy away um, from from doing it. We, we just really wanted this book to be a resource for people like that as well. So that's also just an, another part of why Christian writing. Thinking about this book as a resource, which I completely agree with, one of the things that I found really helpful throughout reading this book were the opportunities that the reader had to try this. I even paused while I was reading and took the liberty of trying some things uh, that you were suggesting. How did that part of the book get incorporated uh, into the writing process? At what point did you add those practical how-to steps? 
That that's a really good question. We um, we had some early readers of the book, which mm -hmm. is a good thing to do uh, in any piece of writing. Uh, one of whom uh, was a student from Redeemer uh, University's journalism program, Kristen, and she uh, she just made that really great suggestion that that was something missing from the book. So we were so grateful and mm -hmm. uh, took that to heart and set about to write um, you know this series of try this exercises, which we deliberately um, craft it to be not just about writing, in fact, but about building a writing life. So, you know, one of them is contact a writer you respect and admire and ask to have coffee with them and, you know, ask them some good questions and, you know, maybe ask them to be your mentor. And mm -hmm. so they're, they're, some of them are about craft and some of them are about cost and some of them are about call. Um, I think there's one in there about, you know, solicit feedback for a writing piece, but don't respond. <laughs> Keep your mouth shut and just receive the critique and, you know, practice that as a, what is kind of actually a spiritual discipline of not being defensive and, um, and not, not defending, not justifying your work, just receiving input. So yeah, we, um, they were, once we had that idea given to us so generously, we had a lot of fun creating mm -hmm. those. Great. Just thinking about the title again, why did you choose the word craft? I mean, writing is work, writing is creative exercise. You could define writing and the process of learning to write in so many different ways. Why did you choose the word craft? Well, it starts with C, <laughs> cost and call. Um, I'll, I'll start and then Patricia add, add in please. Like I, for us, uh, writing has been um, a way to make a living as well as art, as well as calling, as well as vocation. And so a lot of people, um, view right like it's a hobby for a lot of people and I, we hope that this book would help them also so mm -hmm. not everybody is going to be a professional writer or wants to be or needs to be and but they can still uh i think learn to write better by you know doing some of the things we suggest in this book so for me that was the the craft part of it it's it's a big umbrella term i think that captures you know all kinds of different types of writers Mm -hmm. I, I would add that also the, the word craft implies a very real intentionality that you are looking at this as something that can be shaped and shaped with great care. But also there's Karen is being humble because she's not sharing the fact that she came up with the title and um, she came up with it one night. So much of, of the good ideas of writing, Karen and I have both experienced, often come to you in the middle of the night. And Craft, Cost and Call was a title that came to Karen in the middle of the night when we went away on a, on a writing weekend to work on this book. And we went to bed one night and we're we're mulling over a, a few different problems and issues that we knew we needed to address. And so often we find just the way God has created us, the human brain likes to problem solve as we sleep. And so when we woke up in the morning, she said to me, what about craft, cost and call? <laughs> mm -hmm. And it felt like it was heaven sent. 
See, I have no memory of that. And I will, <laughs> I'll tell you that recently uh, somebody came up to me and said, oh, that title is just awful. Like, I don't even know what you mean. So that's oh. really funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we won't blame God then. <laughs> I want to get back to talking a little bit about vulnerability. Do you ever think that there is a time when that vulnerability and honesty can cross the line? Or at what point do you need to retreat from saying too much about your weaknesses or where you fall short or just things that are deeply intimate? That is so important. And we we address that in the book. We have an essay on writing personal essays and we talk about, um, you know, don't don't write about your divorce two days after it happens and Mm -hmm. and don't don't write about your struggles with parenting the night after you scream at your kid or whatever like there is um if you are writing well you are writing from a place of of healing and resolution a little bit and uh, wisdom a little bit. And so there is a time and a place for sure to write about things. So you always, this is what I, I think, you always tell the truth in your writing. You always tell what is true, but no, you don't, you don't have to tell everything. That would be foolhardy. I, I think we definitely, um, are vulnerable and transparent, but we make those decisions carefully. And I'm really big on on being vulnerable and transparent in my writing because I'm big on being that in my life. So it comes from a place of this is how I am. And so, you know, it almost harkens back to our earlier chat about voice. Like part of who I am is someone who has learned that I must be transparent because that's the only way I can navigate the world. And I think being a minister's wife and uh, is a big part of that and has been a big part of that decision for me. I can't pretend because it doesn't do anyone any good. So I left that behind a long, long time ago. And so that's a decision you make. And, you know, the most powerful writing comes from the most authentic place. And so, yeah, it matters. But, you know, it also depends on what kind of writing you're doing. Like um, our essay on how to write a personal essay or whatever uh, is just one part of the book. Like I, I'm not uh, if I'm writing a feature article on, you know, seminaries in Chicago, I'm not really being transparent. (laughs) I'm right. I'm doing a job Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm writing well. And, you know, yes, my voice is there a little bit, but in a different way than if I'm writing about, you know, um, my journey in being an okay mom, hopefully, you know, so it really depends. And Patricia, did you want to comment on that? Yeah, I I would say that uh, like I, it calls to mind for me. There's I I think it was Frederick Beekner who said uh, there is a, a sense in which the story of any one of us is the story of us all, and I think that that's the power in writing um, authentically about your your real life lived experiences and about who you are. It's it's a willingness to say, no, I'm not going to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. That said, I have read things where I have thought, ooh, too much information. You know, like it just, it makes you cringe. Um, I remember once reading a, a 
piece in the newspaper uh, that was written by a columnist uh, and she was talking about trimming her nose hairs oh, dear. <laughs> everything oh yuck I wish I hadn't read that but um, Karen and I both heard a, a speaker at a writers conference several years ago state in a in a keynote address that she was giving that she tried to write uh, from out of her scars and not out of her wounds. And we loved that. That that really resonated with us and it stayed with both of us right from out of your scars and not your wounds. And I think that that's, yeah, that's probably a, the best description that I've heard in terms of, you know, the, the need to, to write uh, truthfully and authentically, but but you don't want to bleed all over the page either. <laughs> yeah. Talking a little bit more about collaboration, often the process of writing from what I've observed and from what you've shared is an individual exercise. Often it can be solitary. To what extent should especially younger writers, both in age and experience, find a community of writers to uh, learn from, grow with, and share with, especially a Christian community for Christian writers? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that uh, that is always essential uh, to have other writers in your life. Um, I think I'm sort of fresh out of this MFA experience where I was in a very secular setting and I had people who would not self-describe as religious interacting with my spiritual writing. And actually I found that the most helpful experience I've ever had uh, Mm -hmm. to have um, people who would not say they were Christian reading my spiritual memoir work. And so I I can't, I can no longer say, yeah, surround yourself with Christian writers uh, because I found that experience so, so invaluable. Like, like, what do you mean? What are you saying? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what that word is. Like one time I used the term church plant and um, my mentor was like, I don't know what, what's a church plant. And I realized, (laughs) Oh my goodness. That is so valuable to know that you have not heard that term before and you're imagining like a geranium or something. So (laughs) like it, so, so I will say that it's hugely, hugely important, but you know, for a writer starting out, uh, I would say go to a writer's group at some point, uh, uh, writer's groups, need to probably shrink down in number and become more honest in feedback. So I think we've all been in it, you know, if you've been in a writer's group, you've probably been in one where everything you read out loud is like incredible and it's all met with a round of applause because it's really just about building confidence and maybe even just about the act of reading out loud, you know, Mm -hmm. being, getting over the shyness, the fear, the insecurity that you're willing to share your work. But at some point you need someone who will say that does not make sense. I think you could do better. What about this? What about that? And that is when your writing will really take off is when you're willing to accept that critique. So, you know, Patricia and I exchanged a piece just this morning where Mm -hmm. uh, she asked for my opinion and I said, well, I think this and I think that she does that for me. Like I, I know she's got my back and our our mutual common goal is, I think, um, you know, in terms of the craft of writing and how we are friends and work together is to help each other be better. And yeah, so it's, I can't say how helpful that is. Do you both see yourself as artists or do you prefer to use the term uh, writer? 
You know, it, it, Joel, it took me, this Patricia, it took me a long time to even have the courage to call myself a writer. Um, my whole life, I loved to write. And I always had teachers telling me that I was a good writer and that I should consider a career in writing. But my... Uh, my favorite writer from the time I was about 17 was C.S. Lewis. And I used to look at C.S. Lewis and think, gosh, if I can't write like that, the world doesn't need more mediocre writers. <laughs> so um, I just resisted. And it was really literally um, coming to a place in my life where I had my back up against a wall and needed to start writing for a variety of reasons and once I did doors of opportunity just started flinging wide open and I realized how much I loved it and it was through that that I had the courage to start calling myself a writer but um, gosh I forget where I was going with that I was asking about so obviously you do consider yourself a writer, although it took some time right. to get there. And thinking about your relationship to the term artist, would you also consider yourself to be an artist? Well, I do think that working with words is an art form. So I would say that. I would say that just as it has taken courage to think of myself as a writer, I think it takes even more courage to think of myself as an artist, and I'm not there yet. <laughs> so, but I come out of a, a background more of journalism, and that is, yes, it's it's also an art form, but it's a different kind of of art. And I think most journalists wouldn't describe themselves as artists. So, what about you, Karen? That's an interesting question, Joel. Yeah, an interesting, awkward question. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like it's really bold to say, yes, I'm an artist. I feel like I feel like that takes like a, a level of pluck that feels yeah. uncomfortable. But but you know, if if pressed, I will say that um, sometimes sometimes, some rare moments, I feel like Yes, I am in full voice. My a mentor of mine during my MFA at one point said, "You're in full voice here." In a passage of my writing, and I was like, "Yeah, I I am," mm. and I can say that because I'm you know 53, and I mm. I get to say that <laughs> for mm-hmm. one moment. I get to say that, and so I I would say with a lot of hesitation and all the required writerly insecurity that sometimes I feel like I'm in an art zone mm-hmm. and it feels right and good and kind of holy. And like, I'm where God has put me to be writing what God has given me to write out of who I am as a person. And that can feel like art. Mm-hmm. I heard it recently said of an American theologian named Richard Loveless that the prophet of this era is the artist to what extent do you think that that is true? I think that is as true as it could be. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. We have been in churches, like my husband is a priest, as we mentioned, and uh, we have just now, and this is the second church we're at where he is, uh, with others, created a space for an art gallery in our church and uh, for artists of faith to, you know, put on shows and display their art. And um I think that is an entryway into faith and Mm. stories and great writing are also, you know, uh, they open the door to faith. Our 
stories matter. And I, I was remembering something on the weekend. I, I think this will, um, I think this answers your question. Um, I, I did a reading uh, in Halifax a couple of years ago in a pub. People were drinking like it was very, you know, raucous and um, with my fellow students in my MFA program. And I read a brief passage about an elderly minister's wife who gave me a blessing. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was reading this out loud. And so I was uh, my story was about me saying goodbye to this 100 year old minister's wife who I had been visiting with as a volunteer. And as I left her, she blessed me. Um, you know, the Lord bless you and keep you kind of blessing. I had finished my reading. I was leaving the pub. A friend of mine uh, who would, again, not identify as a religious person, um, stopped me, embraced me, and then whispered in my ear, bless me, bless me like she blessed you. And I, I did it. I blessed her. I repeated those exact words of blessing. And I left and I thought that was the most incredible moment for me and a gift and like such a beautiful thing just because I, you know, again, like, it's not about me doing this thing. I don't mean that, but I told this true story and she, something in it resonated with her. So our, our true stories matter so much and that gets back to your transparency question like when we're willing to say you know i am i am broken but i'm being fixed and this is how and why it really resonates with people they they put aside a lot of their you know dislike of the church and a lot of their Mm -hmm. suspicion of christians and people of faith and they're like yeah i i hear that i resonate with that so i agree with that quote i think it's deeply true Mm-hmm. And Patricia, did you want to comment on the prophet artist or prophet poet um, quote? Yeah, just only to say, I am not uh, an art expert. Um, I have a daughter who is an artist. I have a, a husband who studied art and is now, you know, trying to find the courage to practice his his art which is metal sculpture of all things um so i but i know art that speaks to me and i know the experience of standing in a gallery and looking at a painting or seeing a photograph online that just touches something um or even watching a silly little video that shows up in your Facebook newsfeed. There was one this morning, it was a Hallmark video of all things uh, created for Mother's Day and I watched it and it made me cry. And I think that that's what art can do. It can move us, it can touch our spirits in a way that nothing else can. And when your spirit is touched, you are open and you are vulnerable and you are able to listen to God. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's partly why I'm really excited about this book. I'm definitely going to purchase some copies for a community of writers that I connect with on a regular basis. So the daughter or sister magazine of Faith Today Uh, that Karen is responsible for. That magazine is called Love is Moving. And I work with writers, mainly young adult writers and some youth. And I think that this book is a must-have for all of them uh, because it it just, it will equip them and and empower them to be that 
prophetic voice that we so desperately need uh, in our world today and, and specifically in Canada. Karen and I talk about how writing for both of us has always been a business and many of our decisions and how we have built our writing lives have been shaped by that reality, the need to help earn an income to help support our families. And so, but there have also been times when we have felt personally called to something. And I think that somewhere along the journey of writing this book, we both really kind of reached that place where we got excited and thought, you know, this is something we believe that um, really could help beginning writers or younger writers or writers at at different places along the writing journey and so mm-hmm. to hear that Joel that's just really lovely <laughs> Thank yeah. you very affirming. there's there's just so much in here about you know how to find your angle uh, how to get in touch with an editor process of taking notes you know finding your voice uh, how to remember to take rests and breaks, and then you know moving into all of the business aspects of writing, dealing with agents and uh, deadlines. There's just so much uh, that is covered, and and through it all, reminding us that this is an exercise that we enter into as Christians as part of this great tradition of storytelling uh, mm-hmm. that God has commissioned us into as. Um, people who are made in his image, which means that we are, um, we're also called to be creative and called to create. For those who are listening, who are interested in writing, any age, any stage of their journey as a writer, I highly recommend this book. And I'm wondering as we close out, if both of you could maybe pull out one or two important tips uh, I'll um, jump in. I, I'm going to give two. Uh, the, the first harkens back to the idea of collaboration, because I, I think this is something kind of unique that Patricia and I have done through the years that has led to a deepening of our individual writing lives. And this is a very, very practical thing. There's a lot of freelance writing out there in the world to be done. As, mm-hmm. as for us, as Christian charities shrink or downsize, often it's the communications people <laughs> who are mm-hmm. probably unwisely let go. And there are jobs to be done writing uh, projects for people. It may be a brochure, a newsletter, a report, whatever, a book in some cases for us. And so we have... Um, decided to like bid together on a project and and say to a charity we will do this together it's not going to be irritating for you mrs charity like you're not going to even know there's two of us almost like we've we've been that blunt about it sometimes but we will share this work we will share this paycheck you're going to get a better product in the end and for Patricia and I were taking on a project that we would not otherwise want to do as an individual writer because it's just too big. And, or again, it calls on strengths that the other person has. So we know that, you know, together we can do a good job. Mm-hmm. And so that for me is something that I don't, I don't know anyone else who does that. I'm sure you're out there. 
<laughs> forgive me, <laughs> but I haven't met you yet. And mm -hmm. I think that's a good piece of strategic advice that we can give to younger writers who do want to make a living as a writer. You can do projects together. Yes, you're sharing the glory um, and you're sharing the risk, but you're and you're sharing the paycheck, but you're getting such great experience and you're, you know, accomplishing things that you wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to do. The other uh, tip I would add to uh, go back to your first question, Joel, is the importance of reading. Like that reading is a big, big part of my writing life. So I read to experience the beauty of language and, and to learn by observing, by immersing myself. But also I could be reading something really moving and wonderfully written and have the strong desire to write. Mm -hmm. And if I follow that nudge, I will generally write well. And I feel like that good reading has saved me a lot of time. So that, like, it sounds mm -hmm. maybe like uh, kind of nebulous, like, oh, yes, read. But no, reading is actually a strategy to achieve better writing. So thank you. And Patricia, what are some tips that you might have for an aspiring writer or a, a younger writer? It teaches in scripture that it is out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And Karen and I also really believe that it's out of the same overflow that the writer writes. So if you take care as a person who wants to write to make sure that there are good things in your heart, then you will have good things flowing out of your heart to share with the world. And that would be my 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 one tip is there's a lot of bad writing out there. Um, there's a lot of stuff written that comes from a dark place or a place that's not lovely and beautiful. And frankly, there's a lot of stuff that ought not to be shared. So I would say, care for your soul. <laughs> um, take time to, to care for yourself spiritually, to nurture your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you do, you will have things worth sharing. So thank you so much, Patricia and Karen, for sharing this book, Craft, Cost, and Call with the World. And to um, I see it as a, a blessing to Christian writers uh, at every stage. And uh, I know that I'm definitely going to, even for myself, read it over again and make some more notes. And I will definitely be purchasing some copies for uh, the community of writers at Love is Moving. Thank you so much. Any final words that you'd like to leave with our listening audience? Oh, I, th I think just to keep writing, you know, and uh, if, if you want to talk writing, we have a Facebook page. You can find mm -hmm. us Craft Cost Call. Uh, you know, we love to interact with writers. That was, you know, part of why we did this book. So feel free to contact us and just, yeah, keep reading and keep writing. Mm. Thanks. So just a, a final tip I would say is love your words, love the process of writing, but learn to hold your words somewhat lightly. If you get a critique, if somebody, an editor or a friend in a writer's group gives you a suggestion for improvement, listen, listen to those things. It doesn't mean that you have to do everything that other people tell you, but, but learn to discern and to hold your work lightly because ultimately if you treat writing as a collaborative exercise, I do think that uh, your work will be stronger for it. 
Excellent. Great tips. And I believe that the book Craft Costing Call is available now on Amazon. And as well, you can find more at www.craftcostcall.com. Again, that's www.craftcostcall.com. Patricia and Karen, thank you so much for sharing with us today and for sharing this book with us. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Joel. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.